You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. And welcome back to Circling Sales Sports on Converge Media. We're in August, finally, and things are just around the finally. corner. Some different seasons. I mean, hockey is coming around the corner. Seahawks are knocking on the door mm-hmm. here. Still people in playoff races. The Storm are in the playoffs officially. Mm-hmm. Still trying to figure out if they get home court advantage or not. The Sounders are fighting for their playoff. Well, not playoff wise at the moment, but they're trying to get, get back there. into things. Yeah. The Rain are up there. The Mariners are still in a wild card spot. So we've got some competitive sports going on while others are you know, come around the bend. So with that being said, I know the past few weeks, I'm telling you, oh, we're going to get stuff when training camp happens. And man, we definitely did. <laughs> we got some stuff uh, since training camp has started. What was it on Tuesday of this past Tuesday. week? Uh, I know that they've been trying to fill the hill and, and renting down the VMAC, you know, trying to get people down in attendance. So with that being said, Bell, why don't you kick us off with, I guess, some retirements? Yeah, a couple of retirements. So Chris Carson has officially retired from football. The running back is calling it a career at the age of 27 due to the neck injury that he suffered. So Carson was actually, the Seahawks did right by him. He was released in order to give him millions of dollars in benefits. So good on them to make sure that he's set for a little while. Um, And we move over to some Jamal Adams news. The safety is out indefinitely. He's seeking a second opinion on his surgical, surgically repaired finger. And that was the report on the 27th. Um, and then we would later find out that he broke his finger when it got stuck in a helmet. So I don't know. those were active hands there getting yeah. stuck in a helmet. <laughs> um, and then on the 31st, it was reported that Adams will be available for Monday. He will not get surgery. He will wear a club in practice and will have a special cast for games. So going to play through it and then if he happens to need surgery it will be in the off season so i know that's you know because that trade was obviously a big deal right you mm-hmm. send what two first rounders over to the jets right um you know bradley mcdougall who was a solid safety when he was with the seahawks um and obviously what you give him a big contract to what a year ago or two i know that trade has drawn some ire and i get it you know, it's like, hey, you want this guy, you, you pay so much, you want this guy to be on the field. Um, I feel like he's gotten a bad rap considering the yeah. injuries and it's tough. But this was pretty unique because I just saw when it first broke that, what, it was out indefinitely because of the fingers. And I was like, okay, I know that's been an injury, a thing for him. It affected him in the Rams game in the playoffs a yeah. few years ago. He couldn't catch the ball properly. Um, you just want him to be healthy at the end of the day. Um I get that there's no nothing necessarily you're playing for this year. You're not necessarily gunning for a division title. You're kind of retooling. And I know that Schneider and Carroll have said, we're going to be a competitive football team. Um, but it, I mean, I'm just hoping that with him playing through it, that special cast he's going to have, which it's a special cast, which intrigues me. I'm interested to see yeah, what to that see what really means. Like. <laughs> it just looks like a giant club on his hand. Um, I'm just hoping it doesn't worsen it, you know, by, by, you know, letting it linger. Yeah. Halfway through the year, he's like, ah, oh, man, this really hurts. So I don't know. We'll see about that. But 
to go back to the Carson stuff, at least, I mean, Chris was a guy who what I believe was drafted in the seventh round out of Oklahoma State. He was a guy that was productive. I remember him playing. I think his first game was against the Packers on the road mm-hmm. in that game where uh, Nazir Jones had an interception and then Jeremy Lane punched Aaron Rodgers in the face. There was that whole thing. But that was where Chris Carson, I really remembered him stepping up. Yeah. Um, I mean, you look back to, I think, a few years ago in like opening game against Denver, he leaped over a guy he yeah. over against one of the Panthers. So Chris definitely made his mark. It was just tough with the injuries, right? And then you and I talked about it when news broke. Again, we've talked about it here on air. Anything with the neck, you cannot mess around with because either he's paralyzed and it affects the rest of his life or it takes his life. Right. You know, so uh, good to see that the Seahawks did him right by giving him those dollar, millions of dollars in benefits. Um but obviously sucks because I'm sure he'd want to be out there. I know he's been, we'd been waiting on an update and we did get one. So uh, a thank you to Chris that all he contributed because he was, I mean, he was fun to watch when he was on the field. He was. So. And we were talking about previously about that one, two punch with him and Penny in that position. Yeah. So it kind of, I mean, obviously we're going to miss his presence on the field, but like you said, health and life in general is prioritized for sure. So mm-hmm. We will move on to some more team notes here. There is news on DK Metcalf, finally. So he did hold out um, in training camp. He was not participating. He couldn't participate because of that contract extension not being in play yet. Um, But he finally got paid on the 28th. He got three years, 72 million extension with 58.2 million guaranteed. So DK got paid and rightfully so. I think no one disagrees with the amount of money that he received. So you ever seen the movie Jerry Maguire? No. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's a big there. You got to go see Jerry Maguire. There's a part of it. I think Tom Cruise is in it, but he's representing a, a wide receiver. And there's a very famous scene where it says, show me the money. Yeah. That's all I think about <laughs> So DK got paid. I think you put it well. It should have happened. It made sense. And they talked about it in the the presser they had right after that was announced that, I mean, this is a guy that you want on this football team. Yeah. And obviously, the, I think they were talking about the team like reverberate. It reverberated through the organization that this, you know, they said it's, it made a statement. And it was funny. DK mm-hmm. said that as much as I bluffed to John Schneider, mm-hmm. I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> so, I mean, that's good to see. And obviously, uh, you know, we're, we've been on the social media, we've been running clips of DK since the extension. One of them's the one where Kevin Garnett asked him about his quarterback, who he won as a quarterback. And he says, Drew Locke's my guy. Yeah. So just doubling down, even on Geno Smith, he's doubled down <laughs> on him. You, you want, that's a leadership thing, right? Because it's, oh, I want a guy, throw me the, no, he talks about the guys on his roster. To me, that's a leadership thing right there. And he's talked, he talked about it in the press or talked about leadership, right? And setting an example because he's not that young guy under uh, Russ's no. wing anymore. Yeah. So I don't know. It, it's cool to see. And it just makes sense all around to give the man his money. So, yeah. I think there we'll were several Maguire. Seahawks Goodness fans. <laughs> I'm really bad with movies, just so you know. <laughs> um, on the tevin- 27th, KJ Wright signed a one day deal with Seattle to finish his career. He would retire a Seahawk. He started 154 of his 159 career games as a Seahawk from 2011 to 2020. He's a 12-year veteran out of Mississippi State University, had a total of 860 tackles, 13.5 sacks, 43 pass deflections, three interceptions, and 11 forced fumbles. And, of course, was a Super Bowl champion and pro bowler. So, congrats to him on retirement. Yeah, that was, I mean, it kind of made the most sense. What also, I paid attention to these press conferences where I tried to. 
Um, with KJ, he made it a point. He said, I'm going to take a fall off because I haven't had a fall off since I think he said like middle school, yeah. which is insane. Um, but he said he's not going to coach, which I was thinking that was his next, next step. Path. He said, I'll be in the organization however they'll want me, but I don't want to coach. I don't. I was like, huh, because he said, you know, he talked about the commitment that is like showing up early and kind of doing what he did as a player. It's just a lot. He didn't really want to necessarily be from his away from his family as much in that regard. So that makes sense. But I think, uh, you know, I think he would have had a great, he, he may still coach because, you know, you never know. Um, but I think whatever capacity the Seahawks will have him around him will be good. Just like having guys like Cam Chancellor around the building, having Marshawn Lynch around the building, you know, just some of those primetime games where they show Marshawn behind the bench for whatever reason <laughs> you, you know that gets guys excited to, yeah. see, to see their yeah, old yeah. buddy or a guy like even if you're like a younger player when marshawn came out of retirement you know for those few games i think it was against san fran and then the packers on the road it gets the younger guys excited because they watch just like me they watch they those watch clips them, yep. they saw beast quake one and two you know so it's just having these guys that are positive and he talked about some of the guys some of the former seahawks from that super bowl team um, that still live in the area, like Richard Sherman, like mm -hmm. Jermaine Curse, mm -hmm. like Doug Baldwin. You know, you say what you will about Pete Carroll and all that, but when it sets a culture where you want to stay in this area, even KJ Wright well from after. Mississippi, yeah, right? You know, uh, mm -hmm. Richard's from California, so it's not that far of a move. But you know, when it something like that, I don't know. It, it's it's a good look on the organization, yeah, at least. So definitely. That also leads into your next thing here, where it seems like yes. There's a little trend here for a few days yeah. where guys decided to get their little day and <laughs> finish out their career. On the 29th, J.R. Sweezy also signed a one-day deal to retire as a Seahawk. He played 117 games and was a nine-year veteran, also a Super Bowl champ. On the first, uh, the Seahawks valued were valued as the 19th highest team in North American sports. They were valued at $4.39 Can you fathom that much money? No. <laughs> So there's that. And then this was just about, what, 30 minutes ago it was announced that uh, Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll has tested positive right. um, for COVID-19. So uh, the, the official statement from the team said that he's experiencing mild sy symptoms and he's going to be participating in practice virtually. So obviously, you know, the utmost importance is to stay healthy right. and, you know, essentially snuff it out, deal with it, have it done as the quarantine works. Um, but it's, you know, and I'm not ragging on it. I'm just <laughs> pointing out that it's been interesting to see how, you know, what during 2020, the Seahawks did such a great job of avoid no COVID cases. I think they were the only team in the NFL to not have a COVID case, um, last year here and there, which I get it's two years trying to go without the thing is tough. Right. But then Pete gets it. So, you know, obviously hoping that, you know, working on that, avoiding that and, um, making sure that Pete's all right at the end of the day. Yeah, so, it also feels like there's been like an uptake in COVID cases recently. So yeah, well, that's for uh, other shows on <laughs> just the sports people. Well, we'll see. Hopefully, there aren't any more dominoes that fall after Pete Carroll gets diagnosed. So, mm -hmm. moving on to some league news, league news, league news here. On the 26th, Julio Jones would sign with the Buccaneers. So we're at giving a Tom Brady another threat here. He signs a one-year deal. Um, See how much gas he has left in the tank. Yeah. You know, because what I think the Titans released him. I don't think I'd underestimate Julio Jones, though. 
No. Not with Tom Brady. No. no. <laughs> On the 28th, Kyler Murray's study clause was removed. So the Cardinals have taken out the independent study clause for Murray's New Deal. That was, I think, a four-hour-a-week study clause. Yeah. So that's since been removed. On the 31st, um, we, it was reported that the Watson ruling was set for Monday and that NFL disciplinary officer Sue L. Robinson would issue a decision on Brown's QB's hearing today. Um, since then, we've actually received the ruling. So Deshaun Watson will serve a six-game suspension for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. And the only thing I'm going to do here, and it's kind of stating my opinion on it, but I will compare it to other suspensions that we've heard of. So DeAndre Hopkins has gotten the six-game suspension for the PD enhancers. So, and then um, Calvin Ridley is suspended for the whole season for um, gambling. So. I don't know. Doesn't seem like the punishment fits here. Doesn't quite add up. Yeah. So I know that I think we, we've talked about it before, right? And it's just because it's league news, we have to look at it, unfortunately, right? Um, I would just prefer this guy doesn't play at all. Yeah. Again. And it's just really, you start mm-hmm. to look at some of the clauses in this ruling. I know that the NFL will look at it, will further look at the ruling and see if they want to pursue that. Because I believe this is a recommendation. I don't know if it's like because it's her, it's Sue L. Robinson's decision, right? It's not. I don't think that's the NFL's officially okay stamp it. on it. Yeah. Because I think what I read was that the NFL will look at it and they'll review it. So there could be more that comes into play, but the ruling was oh there wasn't enough evidence, which you know words we can't use on air today um, doesn't make sense to me. You know, uh, so this this is it's a big deal obviously but i think you do bring up a good point and um the nfl has had its issues in the way that they punish different people for different things simply put right mm-hmm. it's obviously mm-hmm. blanketing it but there is an issue and the discrepancy of fifteen hundred dollars for calvin early is what he bet and indefinitely you mentioned uh ped what was that for hopkins? deandre hopkins that's also a six game six yeah yeah so so that's you just gotta look at them leave that comparison there and that's all you really need to do yeah so so much happier news here for some people um wide another wide receiver gets his bag the 49ers have extended debo samuel so samuel and san francisco inc a three-year 73.5 million deal doesn't get as much money guaranteed as dk metcalf he gets 58.1 million so (laughs) not much less but (laughs) Hey. I wonder what, what, uh, <laughs> if there was any news said about that. In, I'm in the pretty sure I I saw it on Twitter immediately. The comparison. <laughs> so, um, as we move forward here, looking ahead, August first through fifth and the seventh is Seahawks training camp. And you have a little note there that says live. So yeah, those all will be broadcast. So I believe it's on the Seahawks Twitter and social media. They'll have links available so that you can watch practice if you'd okay. like. I believe the six is like a closed one. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna, you know, stuff they don't want to reveal to the public that might get out. So, but all of those ones, if you you know need to get that Seahawks itch scratched <laughs> a bit, you can. Well, I think we'll retweet those links just so you can uh, get those available to you. So. Uh, with that being said, we move over here to our Seattle Mariners who, you know, it's going to be, I'll just tell you now, it's going to be not the easiest stretch of things since the All-Star break. Uh, you know, play that Astros series last week at home is obviously a little bit tough. The Astros, you know, cheating or not, are still a very talented ball club. Um, you know, that's all I'll say about that. 
You've got this Rangers series that we'll talk about. You played the Astros again for four games, which is brutal. But thankfully, that's the last time they'll play Houston in the regular season. So get that out of the way. At the end of the day, it's not because, you know, this, this, and that about Houston. They're a talented ball club in your own division. Get it out of the way. Be done with it. And then, starting today, you go up to New York to play the Yankees, who have, I believe, the best record in all Mm -hmm. of baseball. Or one of them. The Dodgers might have caught up. Um, So it's not an easy stretch for you. But with that being said, the rest of the way, you play the uh, statistical easiest ranked schedule in all of baseball. And the most of your competition that you're facing in the wild card are all in the top 10. So on paper, right, you should have a good shot. But at the end of the day, I can tell you something's going to be easy. And then, you know, you you still have to deal with it yourself. You have to take care of Mm -hmm. business. So let's look at, uh, let's get down to brass tacks uh, in that Rangers series. You see the nice broom there. I always love putting the broom (laughs) graphic up when it's against us. July 25th versus the Rangers at home is a four to three win to start that series off of the game. First baseman Ty France going three hits, two runs, one RBI. Ty, a three-hit game is pretty impressive. Um, on the 26th versus the Rangers to take the series, a 5-4 to four win. Play of the game, catcher Cal Raleigh. Raleigh, two hits, two runs, and two RBI. A lot of twos going on. Uh, so Raleigh has a big game, helps the Mariners. I believe this was actually a comeback. Um, I believe the Rangers scored in the top of the ninth to make it four to three and Raleigh on this bizarre slide. Yes, that's right. Yep. Um, was able on this slide. I, I think he was pretty clearly safe. Um, he, yeah, it, it definitely looked like that to me. And so the Mariners take the series there, July 27th versus the Rangers, a day game, a matinee game, uh, versus the Rangers to complete the sweep thing. So our little broom fella there, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to buy a little mini broom and bring it to the game. Please That's do. a sweet opportunity. Please. Um, Afforded to win on the 27th play of the game, center fielder Julio Rodriguez, one hit, one run, three RBIs. A three-run homer late gives the Mariners a go-ahead uh, lead, and they never look back. So um, this is a nice series to bounce back. You, know, you play what? Uh, leading into the All-Star break, you're playing Texas. Mm-hmm. Out of the All-Star break, you play Houston. You play Texas here. You play Houston. A lot of Texas going on too mm-hmm. much. Uh, but you get back to business. I mean, the Rangers are still a talented ball club. They've got talent on their roster. I won't deny that. Um, but I know that there was some reservations, uh, with certain fans in the organized, uh, in the fan base, uh, about Julio's wrist. You know, this was something that he didn't play in that Houston series. We talked about it. Um, first at bat back, he hits a home run. He looked, think, he looked it. <laughs> so at the end of the day, my point is with Julio, you don't want to aggravate it and make it worse. Bottom line is I'd rather have him miss three games in July slash August than miss anything in October, mm-hmm. late September playoff yeah. run type thing. So, you know, and then in that uh, July 27th game, it's a three run bomb to give you the win effectively, you know? So it's, it's, I, I would rather mitigate the effects now than deal with them later, simply put, at least in my opinion, heading down to Houston to start a tough road trip, uh, four games against the Astros, July 28th at the Astros, a four to two loss. Uh, one that Seattle was in up until late. Alex Bregman had a great game. I believe he had three RBIs, effectively put the Mariners to bed. Play of the game, Ty France, one hit, one RBI. Tough game offensively there for the Mariners. Speaking of tough games on the 29th at the Astros, an 11-1 to loss. Play of the game, center fielder Julio Rodriguez, two hits, one RBI. 
responsible for the only run of the day. July 30th at the Astros, a 5-4 to four win, so they get one win of the series. They avoid a four-game sweep, but in the game, right fielder, yeah, I'm saying right fielder, Abraham Toro, uh, one hit, a two RBI base hit late to give the Mariners a lead, and they would be able to hold on late. Uh, and then July 31st in the final game of the series, unfortunately, a 3-2 to two loss in 10 innings. Player of the game, left fielder Jesse Winker, one hit, one run, two RBIs, a game-tying two-run homer in the top of the eighth. Ties the game up for Seattle eight, but unfortunately, Jordan Alvarez uh, walks it off in the bottom of the 10th inning. So I only take so much stock in these Astros games because, you know, I know we're all excited. We had the 14-game winning streak. This is a team that's different. It's got Julio on it, Ty France on it. There's a lot of good talent on it. There's a trade that we're going to get to. At the end of the day, Houston's been able to make their ball club through the draft and, you know, signings, trades here and there, all that, yada, yada, but they're a talented ball club nonetheless. And I think right now they are better than you, you know, go through free agency this off season. Maybe we'll look at that again, but right now, yes, it's not a crime or a sin to say they're a better ball team than you, you know? So I don't take much stock in that. Obviously you can lose that series and still be in the wild card spot. Like you are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd like to take care of that. You look at the three to two loss, the four to two loss. You'd like to win those games, right? And I'm sure a few guys could help you win those games. Being healthy, help you win those games. Having Julio win still in that July 31st game, you think that doesn't, you know, affect that? So I, I don't put as much pressure on there. I think being in the wild card spot right now and playing Houston specifically and the injuries that are there. I think there's a heightened stress from some fans. Hey, you need to do this now. You need to win these games. You need to make this trade. We're in August. We have the full month of August to play September and then some games in October. October. The, the season isn't over tomorrow, you know? So I think my dad says this all the time. You don't want to get too high. You don't want to get too low. And during the 14 game winning streak, you don't want to think you're going to World Series. <laughs> At the end of the day, after losing this series to Houston, you don't want to think your series is over. Right. Your season's over. Maintain an even keel. We'll get back to things, right? So uh, tough kind of week. You know, obviously the sweep is nice, but overall um, offense could be, I mean, what we look at two runs, four runs is fine. Five runs, pardon me. One run, two, uh, four. So you're kind of middling in your offense. Uh, so I was the only player of the week. I had Ty France. Uh, 17 plate appearances, six hits, three runs, a double, a homer, two RBIs, 10 total bases, two walks, a 353 average, a 455 on base percentage, a 588 slugging percentage. Both of those added up equal a 1.043 OPS. So Pi continues to be important, but it's a pretty good segue to injury related news. You're facing some, some injuries right here. And, uh, you know, the, the slope of a 162 game season, some guys are going to get banged up. Um, we look over to injury related news here on the 28th. We got a bunch of updates. Diego Castillo, relief pitcher, is likely back immediately after his 15 day IL stint. Uh, manager Scott Service says that he is likely uh, only going to need five to six of those days. So, but they couldn't go down shorthanded in Houston. They needed to put him on some injured list so they could get another reliever. So that's why they placed him on that. Taylor Trammell uh, was sent on a rehab assignment on Sunday. I believe he got on base four times that day, so that's pretty nice. Uh, Ken Giles is set to throw a live bullpen here soon in Arizona, so hoping that uh, Giles is able to get back sooner rather than later so you can get more of that relief pitcher depth. 
And then the next steps with Mitch Hanniger are to see him playing back-to-back days in the outfield and complete games in the outfield, uh, seeing his return sooner rather than later. I was told to look at potentially Friday when the Mariners are back against the Angels, uh, but that's not for sure. Uh, what Jerry Depoto said is is really up to Mitch and how he's feeling yeah. uh, following his rehab assignment. I know he had some good games down in Tacoma. Um, looks like he's getting his timing back, but at the end of the day, just like with Julio, you don't want to rush these things. Yep. So because then we're in the same slump and we have to go back on the and we go back to another rehab. It's just a cycle. So that's what I, I'd rather be safe than, than sorry. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Ty France related news. So uh, injuries with Ty as we go to this great photo that Liv got of the broken bat. I love that photo. On uh, the 27th, France did not play against the Rangers after tweaking his left wrist on a swing the day before. Didn't feel comfortable swinging the bat. Uh, was able to play though. Following that, July 31st, France was out of the lineup versus the Astros while he received an MRI for his injured wrist. He is not expected to require a trip to the injured list and does aim to play one of the games against the Yankees in this upcoming series, but will be out these first few ones. Again, to be sure of this, I know that he dealt with a wrist injury last year. It was what kept him out after he had a good start to the season. Um, So it's just like with some of these things, again, play it safe come back against one of these games against the Yankees um, and not worry about it as much. Uh, Julio Rodriguez uh, also, you know, we talked about Ty, and I know we mentioned it with Julio. Uh, Julio um, had to go to the, I believe it's the 15th, it's a 10, 10, day, day. 10 day IL uh, with a right wrist contusion. So it's the same thing. He got hit by a pitch in one of the Astros games, wasn't feeling comfortable picking up the bat. So at the end of the day, why would you make him play through it? You don't simply put. So um, I don't have a timetable for you on when we'll see Julio again. Um, but that's, again, something that I would rather him, you know, heal up and feel better. But I don't, there's no structural damage. The MRI, the x-rays came back negative. So that's that's probably your best case scenario considering that he got hit. There's right. also an interesting stat that the Mariners have been hit like 36 times by their AL West opponents, and they've only hit nine batters. Kind of a discrepancy. There was some stuff with the Astros broadcast where they're like, oh, there's a narrative here, and they're basically trying to pit the Mariners as the bad guy because George Kirby hit Jose Altuve in the last game. The Mariners have been hit way more than they hit their opponents, so I'll just put that out there. Um, we head over to team-related news. It's a pretty busy week uh, as we ramp up to the trade deadline, which is tomorrow. So I'm keeping this thing active over to the uh, the Yankees landed Frankie Montes. Ah. Um, Frankie Montes is a good pitcher from the Athletics. So the Yankees get stronger. I don't believe he'll pitch against the Mariners, but we could see about that. Um, Team-related news. On the 26th, George Kirby was recalled from AAA Tacoma as a corresponding move. Right-handed pitcher Matt Brash was optioned to AAA Tacoma. On the 28th, uh, Matt Brash was recalled from AAA Tacoma as right-handed pitcher Diego Castillo was placed on the 15-day IL with right shoulder inflammation. That move was retroactive to July 26th. So, again, as we mentioned, should be back sooner as soon as that ends. Uh, on the 29th, the big deal that I was talking about, the Mariners landed ace pitcher Luis Castillo in the trade with the Cincinnati Reds. Seattle receives right-handed pitcher Luis Castillo. He's a 29-year-old right-hander uh, who's a two-time All-Star, both in 2019 and this year. Uh, he's a low three-fourths pitcher, but features one of the best change-ups in all of the major leagues. 
to go along with a high 90s fastball and a nice slider. Uh, according to StatCast, he uses his four-seam fastball and slider against lefties while using two-seamers and change-ups against righties. Uh, great strikeout pitches. He's under club control through 2024, so it's not like he's a rental necessarily, but in my opinion, I'd like to get him locked down sooner rather than later. Uh, but this is a big move. Uh, since he receives infielder Noel V. Marte, who is the number 17 prospect in all of baseball, infielder Edwin Arroyo, who was a draft pick last year, but has rocketed up to the 92 prospect spot in all of baseball, right-handed pitcher Levi Stout and right-handed pitcher Andrew Moore. So, yes, you look at it, two great infielders. Um, but at the end of the day, these guys wouldn't have seen major league play until maybe 2024 uh, if we're being optimistic about it or depending on how things go. Uh, you get the best pitcher on the market. Montes, who I just mentioned, was the second best pitcher. Um, uh-oh. Anything else going on? Can't tell. Um, you get the best pitcher for a couple of guys who, again, you, you're, you're gonna, at the end of the day, you're going to need to give up good prospects for a guy like Castillo. So I wasn't mad at it. I just know that some people, it's just interesting with Mariners Twitter because sometimes it's like, oh, uh, you never make any big time trades. And then it's uh, now that one of those trades has been made, it's like, oh, why would you do that? Why would you trade the farm? <laughs> it's like, you, you, you never satisfied. No. So <laughs> I'm happy with the Castillo trade because you make one of the best rotations in baseball, probably the best rotation in baseball. You've got Castillo, Robbie Ray, Logan Gilbert, Marco Gonzalez, and Chris Flexen. I don't include George Kirby in that rotation simply because Kirby has been one of those guys on – He's playing more innings than he ever has in his mm -hmm, professional career. Mm -hmm. So I imagine you shut him down. Maybe you see him at some point next year, depending on free agency deals, with uh, how you look at flexing or so-and-so. But all of those guys are quality pitchers. And you just give yourself more of a chance to win ball games. It's just you look at the contrast of things. Your offense has to pick up. You have to be able because Luis Castillo can have all these great games for you, but if you don't provide him run support, it doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. So this is a good trade. Again, he's under club control through 24. So I'd like to get him extended. Um, but I was happy with it. You get again the best pitcher on the market. Uh Frankie Montes, the second best pitcher, has just gone to the Yankees. Uh the Astros acquired Trey Mancini, who is a slugger from the Orioles. I told you I gotta keep this thing active because things are going on. Um, oh boy. Uh, the trade deadline is tomorrow, so we might have more news for you by the time this drops out. Um, the Mariners, oh, well, we'll get to it. I'm skipping ahead. <laughs> but overall, I like the Casillo move. Did you have any thoughts on it? Because I know I talked about, you know, how some of the fan base looks at it with the prospects, but do you have any lookout on that sort of thing? Yeah, I think it makes us stronger overall. Like you said, we've had some good picture pitchers already, but definitely looking forward to seeing him on the mound as well. Yeah, I am really looking forward to whatever game that you or I are going to be at yeah. and we get to see Luis pitch because he's – I know that Suarez and Winker talked about, you know, the guy he is, he and they're just excited to have him around. Yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, also on the same day – and sorry, Phillips. I feel like he gets overshadowed. <laughs> the team claimed right-handed pitcher Phillips Valdez off of waivers from Boston, optioning him straight away to triple mm -hmm. coma. On the 30th, there was a lot of roster moves because of these injuries. Uh, the team selected left-handed pitcher Brendan Bernardino from AAA Tacoma. The team recalled outfielder Jared Kelnick from AAA Tacoma. Uh, they selected outfielder Jack Larson from AA Arkansas. 
which is interesting. Jack Larson made his MLB debut, so congratulations to Jack. Uh, the team placed outfielder Julio Rodriguez on the 10-day injured list with a right wrist contusion. The team placed infielder slash outfielder Dylan Moore on the 10-day aisle with back spasms. Hmm. Um, and the team designated left-handed pitcher Anthony Mashevitz for assignment. So Jared Kelnick is back. I know that people had been waiting for his return, but Kelnick gets his return because of the injuries. Uh, he's been doing well in Tacoma, and I know they said they'd bring him up when they felt he was ready. I think this is kind of a call to action right here because yeah, you needed definitely. it. So I'm going to say, too, I want you guys to be generous with Jared's time here because yesterday he took a 6 a.m. flight to Houston. He got to the ballpark during the game, oh and they, he gosh, got like 10 swings, in, 10 swings in the batting cage, and they said, you're going in. <sighs> and so he now, after that game, had to get on another plane to New York. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's give, give Jared some time a to settle in <laughs> and let him, because that's got to be tough. Oh, definitely. I mean, can you imagine all that? You were playing in a game the day before, get up at six in the morning on a flight, go Play to Houston, in the game. get like no warm up, go in the game. And now you're playing one of the best teams in baseball in the Yankees. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope, I really do. I hope, I know I've, it's, it's a tough trade. But I really do hope Jared steps up because he's 23. Again, I'm rooting for him too. So yeah. Give him a grace period. We'll see how it goes. Uh, I almost jumped the gun when I talked about this news here. The Mariners, talk about the Reds. Someone said the Seattle Reds. Uh, the Mariners are reportedly one of the three teams pursuing Reds infielder Brandon Drury. He is a utility man for the Reds playing all over their infield. He has a 2.2 war this season to go with a 272 batting average and 85. 845 OPS and an 8125 OPS plus. He's one of the names not named Juan Soto. That's uh, one of the better bats on the market. I know that Adam Frazier has been playing better as of late. If he had been playing poorly to go into the all-star break, I'd say, yes, you got to make a trade for Brandon Drury. But I know that there are still calls for another bat because of you just want to add more offense. Excuse me. At the end of the day, you're never going to have enough offense. Uh, I'm interested to see if this trade gets made. I don't know if it does. I mean, you, excuse me, including the offseason with Winker and Suarez, and now this with Castillo, you've already made two trades with right. the Reds this season. Seattle Reds. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't be opposed to it. I know that with Marte being traded in that uh, Castillo trade, it probably puts you out of the running for Soto, and fine, sure. If When he becomes a free agent in 2024, sign him then. But... Uh, I know that DePoto has said they're still looking at maybe another reliever and they're going to try for another bat, but it might be hard because of just circumstance. So the, the as you can tell with things going on, things are still happening. So you never know. Uh, and we'll keep you updated, obviously, on social media, and then we'll recap it next week mm -hmm. um, if you don't follow us on social media. But I advise you to do so so you can keep up to date. We had a lot of news already break this morning. A lot morning. of updates. On the, oh, something else just happened. <laughs> Oh, gosh. oh, okay. It's just the return for the Montes deal. Don't care right now. On uh, the 1st of August, as we, you said with the Seahawks, the Mariners are viewed as the 73rd most valuable franchise in North America at $1.77 billion, which is a lot of money. And also, the Mariners traded left-handed pitcher Anthony Mishevitz to the Kansas City Royals for cash considerations. So, DFA turned in the cash considerations. Hmm. Money. Uh, as we get to league notes here in the Soto saga of things, uh, on July 28th, the Padres were deemed as a front runner for Soto. The Yankees were not and were effectively taken out of the running. Oh, goodness. <laughs> on the 29th, the Nationals made a uh, final offer to Juan Soto contract wise. Uh, 
If they don't trade, uh, they will trade him if a deal couldn't be reached, and it seems like a deal hasn't been reached. Uh, ESPN's Jeff Passan said that it's highly likely that Soto is traded before the deadline, giving him an 80% chance of a wow. deal being done. On the 30th, the Padres were readying a big Soto deal featuring uh, some of their top prospects. The Nationals reportedly, after the uh, Padres made an offer of four of their top prospects, up their price to oh an additional top prospect. So gosh. they said, no, we want another. Countered. Um, on the 31st, it was viewed as the Dodgers, Cardinals, and Padres as the final three battling for Soto, with the Cardinals upping their offer. So, I mean, we'll keep up with it, but it doesn't seem like the Mariners are going to be in play with it. For this trade deadline, maybe he'll end up a Mariner in offseason of 2024. What time is the deadline? Is uh, it like- time, I believe it's midday tomorrow. Okay. Um, Should have something by then. then. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, continuing with it on the 29th, Shoei Otani was non-committal on his future with the Angels. Otani says, I love my team right now. I'm an angel, and that's all I can focus on. With news that Otani might potentially be traded, it uh, got a headline this morning that the Angels are not going to trade him this deadline. So he still could end up somewhere else this off, uh, soon, but for now, he's an angel. On the 30th, two teams uh, in the AL, well, Two different teams in baseball are ready to sell. The Giants and the Red Sox are ready to sell basically all of their veterans. The Red Sox not taking calls on uh, Rafael Devers or Xander Bogarts. And the Giants are ready to sell on their veterans. So interesting to see who might be moved here mm-hmm. uh, before the deadline as teams stock up. So we'll see what our Mariners do. But they've got a pretty hefty task ahead of them before anything else. They sit at a 55-48 and 48 record, second in the AL West still. They are second in the wild card, three games behind Toronto for the first wild card spot, uh, a half game ahead of Tampa Bay for the third wild card spot. Looking ahead, they play the Yankees, as you can see here, August 1st to 3rd uh, in New York. Uh, the first and second are 4.05 p.m. starts. The third is at 10.05 a.m. start Pacific Early. time. And they come back home. They get a rest day on the 4th. They come back home to play the Angels in a four-game set. Friday, uh, the 5th is a 7-10 start. Uh, the six is a double header day uh, with a one ten start taking place, and then a seven ten start on the sixth, and then the seventh is a one ten start on that Sunday. So, uh, is this the first time they're meeting again since the brawl? Yes. So that'll be fun, yeah. isn't it? Um, <laughs> with that being said, the storm continue here. They clinch playoff berth, but not things. Uh, not all the not everything is sunny it in Stormland. It was it was pretty stormy. <laughs> On the twenty eighth, they traveled to Connecticut and lost to the Connecticut Sun. That was a close one, but they just couldn't get it done. That was an eighty eight to eighty three loss. Our player of the game for that day was Tina Charles with fourteen points, ten rebounds, five assists, one steal, and one block. On the thirtieth, they traveled to Washington to play them back to back. Their first matchup here on the thirtieth was a win 82 to 77 we have two players of the game jewel lloyd with 27 points three rebounds one assist two steals and forward brianna stewart with 18 points five rebounds four assists one steal and one block she was really all over the board there um and that would clinch the playoff berth in the win however they would play again the next day and i believe that would give a better idea as to where they were placed in home court so on the 31st, they played the Washington Mystics. Unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done in the end there. They lost 78 to 75. Our player of the game was Brianna Stewart with 23 points, five rebounds, three assists, one steal, and one block. That one was um, 
I'm not sure how to word it, but frustrating <laughs> to say the least. They went on a 16-0 run at one point and had the lead, and then the Mystics fought back. Um, they had a chance to tie it at the three. I believe Sue Bird shot it to make the first attempt, or was it Brianna? I think it was Stewie. It was Stewie. Yeah, it contested. It just didn't seem it like wasn't a good, good. Play. Yeah. Uh, Gabby just, Williams got the rebound after, and she, she just took a two. And, so it wouldn't have mattered. Was it a two? I think she hadn't reached the three yet. Okay, but there was enough time. I mean, unfortunately, she was in a hurry, wanted to get the shot off, but there was enough time that she could have swung it to the middle again for another uh, three-point attempt. But it just it didn't work out that way. The Mystics took that one, and I think we're still – what are we still fighting for here in terms of playoffs? You know, I mean, you're what? I think you're three and a half games behind the Aces for the first seed. You, you would like to guarantee home court throughout yeah. the playoffs, right? Um, but I know that what, as a second, you'd obviously host still. Yeah. But you'd want to keep the West to go through Seattle. Um, I don't know about you, but there's a couple of things I noticed with this Storm team. Mm -hmm. And one's more, uh, I'm more nervous about than the other. Okay. You know, the rebounding battle is still something that they continue to struggle yes. in. Um, and I know that's not the end all be all. But you'd like to get second chances. You'd like to avoid the opponent getting second chances. You'd like to be able to get your own rebound, you know. Uh, but also, it just seems like I think I counted like now maybe four of your last four. Your last four losses have come with like a second half half collapse, you know. And yeah. I think if we look at the rest of those, what twelve now? I'm sure a good amount of them. You're not just getting flat out blown out. You just in the third quarter, you give up a big third quarter, like against the Dream on the road. When you look at that Connecticut Sun, Sun game, it's yeah. only five points. This game, three points. You've got a ton of it. You've got Sue Bird, Brianna Stewart, Jewel Lloyd, Tina Charles, John January, you know, John Tell Lavender. You've got a ton of veterans, and you're not able to close out. Now, Tina was in foul trouble against mm. the Mystics that second game, but Ezzie did come in, and she was part of that 16-0 run and did really well. So, yeah, I understand your concerns, and the the, the rebounds have been a concern for a while now. Yeah, this is something that you know you and I have heard Coach Quinn talk about yeah. since basically the beginning of the year, and you know you begin to wonder: Is this a mentality thing? Is people are people just not buying in? Is it not a priority? I I don't know. I just wonder about it because you know you, there were times where it felt like I think we talked about it. You're going on a run, and then I think when I look at the schedule here, you've kind of been bump and go and bump and go right because you hit a streak of what winning you open up this the season bad one and four you win four in a row you lose two in a row you win four in a row you lose one win two one two one four two one two one two now you're back and forth mm -hmm. it's like i don't like this uh it's not much continuity going into the playoffs and now you get to come home and play two games against you know, two talented teams, right? Two differently talented teams because mm -hmm. Vegas is one of the best teams in the league. Um, but then you go on the road again to play. I mean, you play the same teams except for Chicago once. You play Minnesota once at home, and then on the road on the twelfth of August, you play the Aces at home on the seventh and Super's final regular season home game. Um, and then you play the Aces again to end out the season on the fourteenth on the road, and then you play the Sky on the ninth, which is probably the <laughs> best team in all yeah. of basketball. So it's it's not a forgiving road to not get to at the all. playoffs. And depending on how you handle things, I don't think you could take too deep of a fall. But you could really, what do we talk about with teams coming into the playoffs? 
if you're hot, you're the most dangerous team to play. Obviously, what what did uh, I think? Sue or someone talked about it on the team about how Chicago came into they I didn't have the, the yeah. one seed, but they came in, they came in hot, and they won it all. Coach Quinn has mentioned it a couple yeah. times, getting so, hot at the right time. That's my concern is that just like with this next section, what the Sounders like last year, they they hosted. I think they were the three, but they they came in sputtering. I don't want to come into the playoffs sputtering in Subaru's final year and it just be a, a big mach. Especially if you haven't done the best on the road for the season, Mm-mm. then you definitely don't want to be on the road for most of the playoffs. So we'll continue to look into their games here. But I mean, like you said, the rebound thing and Coach Quinn has acknowledged it and she has um, said that the way to rectify the issue is to have not just the centers get involved with the rebounds, but everybody get involved in rebounding. Yeah, I'm so. sure Tina and Izzy have done their part. Yeah. Stewie has chipped in, but you've right. got to see, it's got to be a team. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. So as we move on here to injury news, of course, we reported that Mercedes Russell is out for the rest of the season. So she continues to be on those reports. Um, luckily, nobody else. Yeah. Luckily, they're clean as far as anyone else goes. Um, we move on to some team notes here. On the 28th, Super joins investment group for NWSL club Gotham FC. Gotham is valued at $40 million and That's the most ever for yeah. NWSL team, which really? is great. So. That was cool to me. I know it's like, oh, but she's in Seattle. I mean, she's from New York. So yeah, that made yeah, sense yeah. to me. But that was cool to see Sue investing. You know, and- I think the the funniest comment that I, or the one that I liked the most was, I think she knows a little something about soccer because she has like an advisor yeah. at home. Yeah. <laughs> so um, moving on here, we do have somewhat of an update on the Brittany Griner situation. So... <laughs> The trial proceeding findings were that she wasn't provided key information on her rights granted under under Russian law. She denied accusations of drug smuggling, said she did not intend to bring cannabis oil into Russia. And she was urged to sign paperwork that she did not fully understand in a secluded room. Ongoing here, the U.S. and the Biden administration now are in conversation with Russia for a prisoner swap. So the U.S. would receive Greiner and Paul Whelan. Russian government officials want, but Russian government officials are counter countering here. They want a to include a former colonel from country's domestic spy agency, and that would have to involve Germany. And it sounds oh. like, yeah, it sounds like Germany's not really. You know, it just, it, yeah, it's, they're making it a little tough here, but we just want to see Brittany Griner free. It's, it's been too long. So, um, she was also recently on a cover of, uh, Time magazine, I believe. Mm, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we just continue to urge the Biden administration to do what they can. And we move on to, uh, some more news here, not completely related to the WNBA, but related to the NBA. Um, and we just wanted to honor legendary NBA player and coach Bill Russell, who passed away yesterday at age 88. Russell coached our Seattle Sonics for a period of time, uh, was an all-time historic winner, and had a huge impact off the court. Um, he was an 11-time NBA champion, five-time MVP, a member of the 2050-75 NBA Greatest Teams, a gold medalist, won two NBA titles as the first black head coach in North American pro sports, and was always part of the movement, like movements of racial justice yes, movements. Yes, he was a huge so, advocate. I think he won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. He did. Due to his activism. Um, he was active at Storm Games. He was at several Storm Games. Like uh, The Storm shared a great photo 
of him in the locker room. There's one of him at practice when Lauren Jackson was there. So Bill Russell, just a legendary person, alone his his playing career, his coaching career, just and it's incredible that to know that he he was on Mercer Island. He was right in mm-hmm. your backyard. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, not necessarily storm related, but as you can see, we put the little Sonics logo in the corner because I mean, he was a Sonics head coach. So. Uh, Sucks to see, but I know that the statement that the family put out was that he went peacefully. So that's yeah, all I you can see hope that. for. Yes. So, of course, our condolences to anyone and everyone who is affected by his loss. And as we move back to our storm here, they sit at a 19-12 record. They are second in the Western Conference, three and a half games behind the Las Vegas Aces for first. And unrelated to Seattle, in case you wondered, the Aces beat the Chicago Sky for the Commissioner's Cup. So two really good teams you have to face yeah ending your season yeah Yeah. (laughs) so moving on here as we look ahead on the third they face the minnesota lynx here at home at 7 p.m and then on the seventh against the las vegas aces also at climate pledge and that's at 12 p.m completely sold out we'll have a full arena of 18,000 fans and that is sue bird's final regular season home game so should be an exciting one yeah, so uh, if you're looking for tickets to that Lynx game, I would get on that now because I know that uh, from what I've seen, that game is close to selling out as yeah. well. So we'll see about that. But with that being said, we look over to our Seattle Sounders here who also return home. But before they do that, they're on the road against LAFC. And I think we talked about it last week. LA is one of the best clubs, probably the best club in the, uh, MLS. Uh, Seattle went on the road, though. They got the first goal against LAFC. Uh, they were able to force an own goal, but uh, there was a stretch of time right before halftime where L.A. took advantage of some Seattle miscues and those two goals. Seattle wasn't able to respond. I mean, they held L.A. to no goals in the second half, but that period of time, really, you look back and you say, this is really where they won it. Um, so Seattle falls 2-1 to one to L.A., uh, player of the game midfielder, Nico Ladero. Nico has a two, uh, 7.7 match rating, a 75% passing percentage. Five chances created, but only one total shot. So, I mean, this is a tough game. You know, you don't have a Raul Ruiz Diaz. You, Kellen Rose on Rick Card suspension. You're playing the best club in the in the league, and you are still trying to find yourself again. You know, so it's it's tough, but it, it it's also like hey, you lost to LA. You don't like doing that. Uh, they have a great atmosphere down there. At the end of the day, it's uh, the Sounders are looking for their form again. You know, I know I've, we've got comments under. I was unsure. I didn't want to say they'd found their form again following CCL. There were some periods of time where they were doing well. Like, oh, of course they found their form. They won. This, this, this. I'm like, <laughs> Have they? we've got a long season. And you see them, they kind of sputtered. They beat the Rapids, yes, which is great. Uh, but... You know, LA, this one's this one a little bit less. I'll give them more slack because it's the best team sure. in the league. They added Chiellini and Gareth Bale. But it's still, you know, you've, you've got to find, you're the Seattle Sounders. You hold mm-hmm. yourself to a higher standard and, you know, you're still battling. Every point matters. So if you had drawn this game, you still would have gotten one point and you would have inched closer back to a playoff spot. You're, I believe, two points out of a playoff spot right now. So you see how much... Even yeah, splitting points is important to you right now. You don't have to make up leaps and bounds, but you kind of make these, you kind of pick up points eventually. You can't keep dropping them. So tough, but nothing we can do about it right now. In terms of injury-related news on the 28th, the injury report against LA, obviously, Jao Paulo and Obed Vargas are out with season-ending injuries. 
uh, kill in a row, red card suspension was out. And then Raul Roy Diaz was questionable. I don't believe he actually suited for that game, though. With that being said, we learned today that Raul uh, will feature Tuesday, uh, will be available, but is unsure mm-hmm. if he's going to start or come off the bench. And this is, again, just like with Julio and Ty France and those injuries, we want to play it safe because I know Raul's had his respective leg injuries, or uh, I think it's just hamstring mostly, but you got to be careful with it mm-hmm. because I'd rather have Raul for a playoff stretch than, you know, a game here and there. So, I mean, obviously still important, but we'll keep an eye on that. And team-related notes on the first, the Sounders were valid at $705 million, the fourth highest club in MLS. Uh, looking ahead, their record sits at nine wins, 11 losses, and two draws. They are ninth in the Western Conference at 29 points, as I mentioned, two points out of a playoff spot. They play a key team this Tuesday at home in FC Dallas, August 2nd versus FC Dallas is a 7 p.m. kick. Dallas is fourth in the West, so you're playing against one of the teams that you're looking up at. Right. So you'd like to take care of uh, that. And then after that game on Tuesday, the second, uh, you play August 6th at Atlanta United. And often Atlanta is mm-hmm. one of those teams that they're tough to play against. They've been one of the teams that have been most consistent in the Eastern Conference for success. They're near the bottom of the table in the uh, Eastern Conference, but you play them on the road with a noon kickoff PST. So uh, I know I can tell you that they're bad, but it doesn't matter unless you make them look bad. Right. You have to still play the game. You have to get the points. So important matchups there for our Sounders who look to crawl their way back into a playoff spot. With that being said, I know that things kind of slowed down from what we've looked at the past few weeks <laughs> with the very... Kraken, but still some news uh, for our hockey team. Uh, by the way, if you have not seen it yet, uh, yes. I was able to interview Everett Fitzhugh, uh, Kraken Radio play-by-play broadcast for the first uh, African-American uh full-time broadcaster in the NHL and the only, uh, I think, black broadcaster in any professional level uh, in North America for hockey. So go and check that out. It's on the Converge uh, YouTube channel. It's just a few videos down, I believe, or you can check out our playlist, Circling Shell Sports, here on Converge Media. Uh, with that being said, Bell, we'll take a look at a few things that took place for our Kraken here over the past Yeah, week. they still r- remain a little bit active here. On the 26th, the team resigned forward Ryan Donato to a one-year, $1.2 million AAV deal. Donato had his career year last season, posting 31 points in 74 games. A quote from... Ron Francis here on Donato. Ryan elevated his game last season, and we're happy to have him return to the Kraken. And he completed a career year and will hopefully eclipse that in the 2022-23 season. On the 28th, but before I move on here, I mean, do you have anything to say in terms of his performance and yeah, this move? Donato, he's kind of a guy, how do I describe him? Kind of scrappy, you know, he's not yeah. like a big guy. He's not, I mean, he had 31 points this past season. He was a valuable contributor. Um, I know that they were avoiding arbitration with him because it, depending on so-and-so, it could give him more money than Seattle wanted to pay him. I had a few friends that wanted him to come back, and he did. You know, I think this is a good move. You just add more talent to your lines. I mean, with hockey, right, you've got four lines of guys that are always on the ice offensively. Yeah. Four, four times three. So you're yes. going to need 12 forward centers, all that. Um, I don't think it hurts having to not on this roster at all. It's a one-year deal, and it's kind of like, okay, this was great. I need you to do it again or just or replicate <laughs> success because you don't want to see one year and say, okay, go ahead. Here's a longer-term deal. Yeah. So I think it's good. I think this adds, you know, continues to add depth. 
don't want to say depth because Donato had a great impact and he's not just a depth guy. Yeah. You've got so much, not so much, you've got a lot of talent uh, on your forward group. So I think it's, it's good to see. And I like seeing this get done. I know this was something that I had a few friends that were like, Oh, why didn't you sign him? Why not? And then finally <laughs> it happened. So I think they were just working through yeah. it, but good to see Donnie back. Moving on to the 28th here, the team announces that Kansas City Mavericks will be the new ECHL affiliate for the team. It's a multi-year affiliation that begins this upcoming 22-23 season. So just like with the minor leagues in baseball, right, obviously the Kraken are the pro team. The Coachella Valley Firebirds are right below them. And I believe from there it goes, I think the hierarchy goes Mavericks and ECHL, Firebirds and AHL, and then Kraken um, in the NHL. So it's just more areas for your team to develop right you know just more of your actual affiliate instead of having guys you know maybe like you last year you shared the uh uh charlotte checkers with the florida right. panthers you know just building your own uh your own uh development system effectively i believe is what's taking place here on the first the kraken were viewed as the 106th most valuable franchise in North America at 860 million. Which is the only thing I'll say is it's interesting to me that they were higher than the Pittsburgh Penguins and Pittsburgh's been around oh. for a while. So just interesting to see Not where the, our, terrible, our teams yeah. stack up, you know. And moving on to some league news here on the 28th, it was announced that there will be new NHL jerseys after the 23-24 season as Adidas will no longer be the NHL supplier. Do we have word on what brand we're moving on with here yet? No. Safe bet, I would say, is Nike. Yeah. Baseball, Nike. Yeah. Football, Nike. Basketball, Nike. (laughs) Yeah, that's just how it is. Monopolies, you know, make things. You like to see that. But I know, you know, working in retail with the Kraken, we had issues just getting some of these from Adidas. And the the jersey was the hottest selling jersey in all of hockey. So I think the over time, that relationship with the NHL might have deteriorated. And so we'll see. You know, CCM is a good hockey brand. Uh, I think Reebok's done some hockey, but I, you know, everything money, points to Nike. Money talks. Yeah. Right. Sure. And who's got the money to up, up there? So uh, that's what I would imagine. And that closes out our Kraken section. So we'll move on to the OL Rain. So we head over to our OL Rain here, who I believe last week it was quiet. They had yes. a week off. Yes. There was a clause that had been put into the CBA where they got a week off. You know, which it's it's kind of fun to look at now because they had a game on Saturday and they play a game on Tuesday. It's like that's so you take a week off and you get to play a close, close few games. Anyway, uh, over the past week, the rain played down in uh, L.A. versus Angel City on the road. They would go down early. They would go down two to nothing early, but would mount a great comeback to win that game. Three to two, play the game defender Sofia Huerta. Huerta, one goal, one assist, three chances created in an 8.9 match rating. Where they had a great left-footed shot to equalize the game late and uh, would assist on the game-winning goal by Tobin Heath to give the rain the win. So I think the last two times that an NWSL team has come back from 2 nothing, it's been the rain. Uh, just Fishlock started both of those comebacks with the goal. So that's really, really, pretty cool. Um, notable things from that match, though, uh, Tobin Heath notched her first NWSL goal since September of 2019, and head coach Laura Harvey notched her record-tying 81st regular season win in in history. Uh, it is the first road win of the season for the Reign. So this was a game that had a lot in it. I mean, you played down in, in L.A., 
uh, I will say this: LA has a great atmosphere for their games. I mean, for an expansion club, and a, you know, it's great to see the atmosphere that they have set already in year one. And it just you hope that more people see that and they want to go out to these games. Um, so that was, you know, even even rooting for the team that was on the road in that game, it was it was good to see that, you know, for the betterment of the women's game in general. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned, this was a comeback. This was big. You were down two to nothing. Um, against Angel City. I mean, you got that West Coast kind of thing going on. You don't want to lose to LA. And they came back. This was a big three points. You hadn't really gotten those three points on the road yet. It's pretty, pretty big. Mm-hmm. It was pretty enjoyable to watch as well. Uh, less enjoyable that we get to the injury report here. Uh, that match report against Angel City, excuse me, uh, out where Bethany Balser with an injury. I mean, Illness. Excuse me, an illness. Uh, she will not be available for the Louisville match tomorrow on mm. Tuesday. And Megan Rapino serving her red card suspension for the last time that the rain played. Uh, so Megan should be back for the next match. Uh, Bethany didn't really get word even from the press conference this morning about it. So hoping that she's better sooner rather than later. In team-related news, on the 28th, Lauren Barnes was selected as the Reigns finalist for the inaugural Ally Award. Uh, Ally sponsoring an award uh, which recognizes the athlete that embodied the idea of the word teammate most, supporting and motivating rookies and veterans alike. Uh, each finalist was nominated by their teammates, too. So, um, I mean, just if you follow the Reign and you know who Lauren Barnes is and just who she's been to the Reign as a club, it makes the most sense. Uh, Barnes is a great interview, great person to speak with, and just all around a, a solid human being. So this makes absolute sense to me. Um, on the 29th, the club extended Ryan Brown and loaned both, both, both Brown <laughs> and Alyssa Melanson to the same club. Uh, Ryan Brown signed a long-term contract deal to 2023 following her successful period as a national team replacement player. Subsequent to her extension, Brown was loaned to FC Nordsjælland, that's the Danish Women's League. I apologize if I but uh, botched that to further her opportunity to develop. So it's basically saying, hey, we don't necessarily have the opportunity right now for you on the club. We want you to go to this club and go and develop more. Yeah. And we'll come on back. Makes sense. Um, Alyssa Melanson was also loaned to the same club. Uh, on the first, earlier today, the Rain and the Sounders both announced that there will be another single-ticket doubleheader during the 2023 season. I know that there have been and there will be several opportunities uh, this year where the Rain and the Sounders will play on the same day, but they're not the single-ticket doubleheader that happened last year against uh, Portland. So uh, the date and the time for this doubleheader next, uh, the 2023 season, are to be determined still. A quote from the Rain Media email, the doubleheader, which provides soccer fans in the Puget Sound the unique opportunity to see both their women and men's top flight professional teams play at the same venue on the same date and back-to-back game day action is scheduled for next season with date and opponent yet to be determined, though scheduling will center on marquee matches. Mm -hmm. So it's exciting to know. I know that since then, since the doubleheader, obviously the Rain now call Lumen Field a permanent home. They're seeing their attendance improve each sheet, sheet, sheets all the time. So it's just, you're hoping to see that with these things that more people are encouraged to go out to these yeah, matches, encouraged sure. to support the women's game. Uh, and I just remember being at that doubleheader and it was a big deal. So um, excited to see when that is, but obviously that's next season. Also today, the team traded the discovery rights to Ford Wang Shuang. 
Uh, Duran received $30,000 in allocation money and a fourth round pick in next year's draft. Uh, while racing Louisville received discovery rights to Ford Wang, uh, Schwang. So, uh, more allocation money, more draft picks, always nice. Um, what that means for the time being, I don't know, but <laughs> that's what the rain uh, did earlier today. In league related news on the 25th, uh, Hope Sola, former Husky, Washington Husky, former rain player, former U.S. women's national team player, pled guilty to driving while impaired. She was found passed out behind the wheel back in March with her two kids in the car. Uh, so she pled guilty. I know that she's in rehab. Um, just hoping for the betterment of that. On the 29th, uh, North Carolina Courage's Jalen Daniels uh, missed a match versus the Washington Spirit after refusing to wear a Pride-themed mm. jersey. And this gained flack from all over the league, and as it should. That's mm-hmm. just all right, ridiculous. And the fact that uh, someone that has that kind of view is in the league is kind of disappointing. I know that when she was signed by the courage, this garnered um, attention because she's done things like this in the past. So yeah. to have brought her back is its own thing. With that being said, we look ahead for our reign here, who sit at a five win, three loss, five draw record. They are fifth in the NWSL with 20 points on the season. Looking ahead, they play August 2nd to, uh, tomorrow at Racing Louisville on the road. It's a 5 p.m. kickoff. And then August 7th back at home for the first time in quite a bit versus the Houston Dash for the first time on the season, I believe. I could be wrong, but I believe it's the first time they've matched up against Houston uh, with a 3 p.m. Uh, start time. So with that being said, we have a really small, well, not really small, mm-hmm. but a small uh, tidbit of Seawolves news. Yeah, the Seawolves hold the following picks in this year's MLR draft. Round one, pick number 12. Round two, picks number three and 12. And round three, pick number 12. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, uh, I think, Pick 13 is going to be the winner. So I think you're going to have to get pick 12. But interesting to see what the new wave of Seawolves is able to contribute. Because, again, this is, we talked about it when the season ended. And even technically before the season ended, when we thought it had ended, uh, when they were mathematically eliminated, that this club, you know, with a bunch of different pieces, whether younger and older, were able to find a way to win games. And even to the end, the end, right? Because yeah. obviously with the disqualifications of Austin and um, LA, we're able to make the playoffs and then make the whole, the, the championship. So I think that, you know, these next group, maybe they're able to contribute right away or maybe yeah. they just help this team be good for years to come. So always interesting to know where that at is. Uh, as you can see on the graphic, the draft is the 18th of this month, uh, a Thursday, uh, it will take place on 4 p.m. Pacific time, and we'll tweet out a viewing link for that one that takes place. Awesome. Um, no Dragons news. I know that with the whole announcement of coming it back, it's yeah. been quiet. Um, Star of the Week, Bell did not see one fit. For Star of the Week, I chose uh, Tobin Heath for the rain. Heath, you know, is someone who has spent a long time. She's played soccer for quite a bit. As I mentioned, she hadn't scored a goal since 2019 in September in the NWSL. She comes on as a substitution late and is able to put a goal away uh, to win the game for the rain as a substitute. Um, it's been really interesting to follow Heath's journey because this was a big deal when it was announced because she was a big star in general. Um, but it was like, I believe she's a free agent after the season, but it seemed like she's really enjoying herself with the rain. She's talked about how comfortable she's been here. She's always liked the Pacific Northwest. She used to play with the Portland Thorns mm-hmm. and she always said she liked it up here. So 
maybe she stays long term. Um, regardless, to just have someone as valuable, to just have that knowledge, to have just the person, to have the player is great for this grand club. It shows your depth and it shows why I'm sure you're able to loan players like Brown and Melanson out. So because you've got the talent on the roster right now. So great to see that and like a win like that to be spearheaded by Heat's goal. That kind of comeback really shows up when you start to get to playoff time. It's like, hey, this is what this club is capable of. So uh, I went with Heath there just because of that effort. Uh, kind of bumpy week. Not necessarily anything that stuck out, but also, um, again, want to uh, memorialize Bill Russell there um, and what he was able to uh, add to Seattle sports and as, as a whole. So we look back at things, you know, the Seahawks training camp is underway injuries, retirements, um, the Mariners trying to get back on track. They got a tough assignment starting today. Uh, the storm kind of bumpy, kind of mm -hmm, weathering the mm -hmm, storm there, mm -hmm. trying to get back into a, a groove of sorts. The Sounders, same exact thing, basically. Uh, the Kraken continue their off season. We don't have an exact date on training camp for you quite yet. Um, the rain, a nice comeback win. They've got a two game week ahead of them. The Seawolves, we find out about some draft picks. Um, no dragons news. So with that being said, I uh, also want to take a moment to uh, give a shout out to our colleague, Trey on a holiday. Trey uh, is dealing with a, a loss. So with that being said, and it's been said across the whole Converge family, we want to give us, uh, give us, give Trey and her family, you know, the best wishes, the best prayers that we can uh, in this time. And, you know, just welcome her with open arms whenever she's ready to come back. So uh, we're thinking about you, Trey, hoping you're doing all right. And we'll see you back in studio whenever that may be. So with that being said, uh, unless you've got anything to add. Um, I think we can leave it there. The only comment that I would add is that if you missed out on the Storm game for the seventh and still want to go support women's sports, you can catch the rain in Women Field. There you go. So uh, until we see you again, hope you all did okay during that heat wave uh, that just passed. Uh, take care of yourself, be well, and do whatever you can to make today a great day. Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.